Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And boys and girls, if you would have told me before the season that we would be in this position, I would have called you crazy. I was already looking for summertime content filler. Well, guess what? Baseball, it's still going, baby. It's still going. Going strong. Winners of the Big 12, winners of the regional, hosts of the Super Regional. We'll get into all of it and more. Got to recap a humongous win against Arkansas. Who cares about the SEC when Big 12 baseball is back? Talk about all of it. But first, got to remind you to subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast. I got some buddies of mine who have been reading your reviews. They love the razzle-dazzle that uh, some of the Georgia fans have. They enjoy more when the fans of the podcast leave reviews. Subscribe, rate, review wherever you get the podcast. And then a reminder, it is officially summertime, which means win a free Harlan Koozie by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Leave it on iTunes. Take a screenshot of it. Send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Keep your beverages cool this summer with a Heartland College Sports Koozie Brought to you by leaving a review. Leave a review. All right, here's the deal. TCU baseball, is it back? Yes, 100%. It's 1,000% back. We talked about it last week. We said, is this the most shocking The most shocking result, I want to say, in TCU athletics this season? Because the basketball team had it up and down. We kind of knew where they were. They weren't going to be in the top three. They were better than the bottom four. They were kind of somewhere in the middle. So having them win a game in the NCAA tournament, that wasn't a huge shocker. Football, I'll be honest. When Duggan retook the uh, reins, I was kind of concerned. I thought to myself, okay, is this the guy? And hell, he was. He was the guy. Beating Michigan, did it shock anybody? If you don't live in middle America, probably not. If you watch TC play this season, probably not. One side had a Heisman runner-up. The other side had a guy that likes uh, sleepovers in Coach Harbaugh. So... Make that what you will. Baseball is the most shocking story of the season. Baseball is the most shocking turnaround we have seen because you went from a team that barely had their head above water, a team that had lead in their shoes in the short end of the pool, the shallow end of the pool, drowning in April. And then the calendar flipped over, and they've been incredible. Here's the deal. On April 30th, so this is the true stat, on April 30th, TCU Baseball surrendered an eighth-inning go-ahead run to the Texas Longhorns to clinch the Frogs' third consecutive series loss. They were 23-20, and falling three games under 500 in the Big 12. They had lost eight of their previous 10. They were in the bottom third of the Big 12. When May came around, this team won 17 of 19 games, went from scoring almost three runs a game to almost 10 runs a game, swept through the Big 12 tournament, and now is hosting the Super Regionals this week. TCU baseball is all the way back. They are incredible. Now, the first game of the best of two series is slated for Friday of this week. They'll be playing uh, Indiana State. That team, 45-15 and 15 on the season. TCU, 40-22. and 22. They've already surpassed where they were last year when it comes to total wins. I would argue last year's team may be a little bit more consistent. I would clearly not better, but more consistent for sure. 
They beat Arizona. Then they took down nationally ranked Arkansas twice, 20-5 and 12-4. And I want to talk about that 20-5 game because Trey Richardson, welcome to the show. Trey Richardson, welcome to the show. We talked about him in the beginning of the season when we were talking about the the lineups, potentially who could have a good season, who could be. But since then, I'll take some blame. Since then, kind of gone under the radar. Haven't really talked about the fielding prowess of the middle infield. Right? Richardson, very good middle infielder, solid hitter. He wasn't making the waves that, say, some other guys were on the team. Right? Sylvia, making more waves. Taylor, making more waves. Richardson stole the show. Absolutely blew the doors off in that uh, Sunday game in Fayetteville because he had 11 RBIs in that 20-5 win, including two grand slams. Now, he hit the first one in the first inning, and I said to myself, okay, is this where we're at now? Is this what we can expect from TCU bats? Because if you remember, earlier in the season, I was telling you, hey, the pitching, is it good? No, but it's not bad. It's very mediocre. We're giving up about three, four runs a game as a staff. Hits just aren't coming. We're losing a lot of games 4-2, 5-3. We're not getting runs. So to see the bats wake the F up, just wake up, post-April has been a spectacular sight for me. It's been a great sight for, I think, baseball fans across the TCU uh, divide, right? I'm feeling great. Fans young and old feeling excellent, right? Doesn't matter who you are. Excellent, excellent feeling. Richardson, he went five for six and finished with three home runs. They've eclipsed their win total from the previous year. TCU scored nine unanswered runs in the sixth and seventh inning to take down uh, number three Arkansas in game two, a 12 to four win to advance to the NCAA Super Regional. Now, this is interesting. So this is going to the Super Regional now, taking on Indiana State. That game is going to be on Friday and Saturday, potentially, right? Friday and Saturday. Now, TCU, they're not going to be the higher seed in the tournament. That will be Indiana State. So the Sycamores, they won their regional. They beat Iowa in that championship game 11-8. They advanced to their first ever Super Regional. So this is the difference here. TCU playing a, for a chance to go to the College World Series for, what, the third time in five years? Uh, Indiana State, this is a team that had to win multiple nail-biters. They had multiple come-from-behind wins in their regional to get to this point. So the reason that they're not hosting in TCU is, why does TCU get the chance to host at a Lumpton Stadium for this regional where Indiana State will not be? Well, it's a couple of things. One, facilities. And this is why I always talk about how important how important athletic facilities are. Because, yes, the medical research and uh, the, the schools and everything else, right? The educational part of these universities are important. Sure. But the athletic facilities, by building them up, you get super regionals. You get situations like this where you're not the higher seed, but you have the best facilities, so you get to host. We've seen this happen a lot of times in the Big 12. A&M's done it a couple times in the SEC. Texas has gotten this situation before in the past as well. So TCU, I'm glad that they are finally the benefactors of this type of situation where you get to host. So another reason, not only because of the facilities at uh, Indiana State, because Indiana, the Special Olympics, that event's already scheduled for this week by the city. 
So the facilities and personnel, they don't have the support staff to have the Super Regional. So it forces Indiana State into this awful situation where they have to turn down the opportunity to host and now give it to TCU. To me, I look, Special Olympics are super important, right? There's no denying that. Gives opportunities to guys and gals from all backgrounds. Super important. We're not going to uh, downgrade that. We're not going to uh, talk down on that. To have an event scheduled for the Super Regional, and I, you know, I get it. You don't know how good your team's going to be. You don't want to have a week where there's empty stadiums, right, or empty facilities. To schedule an event during the Super Regional when your team has a chance, because you won 45 games, right? Like, you have a chance to host it. Poor foresight on the part of Indiana State. Just that's my thought, right? Just poor planning on their part. And potentially now you have a situation where granted TC will be the visiting team on their home stadium, right? They're, they're going to be in their visiting dugout for the first time at their home stadium this year. But you have a situation where TCU fans, and they're going to show out and support because this baseball team has really lit it up, and TCU athletic fans in general do a pretty good job of supporting their programs, both men and women. They do a really good job, I think, supporting the programs. You have a potential chance here to have a fan base change the way, change the outcome of these games. Like, cheering for your pitcher is not going to make them throw uh, uh, 100 miles per hour. But you would be insane to think that it doesn't play an impact. That playing in front of your home fans doesn't have some sort of uh, good vibes, right? I, it's hard to put a quantitative value on it. What does home field advantage really mean? What value does home field really have? But I got to imagine that if you're a pitcher, if you're a hitter playing in front of your home fans, it gives you a little bit more of a sense of comfort. Not having to go to Indiana, first off, gives you a little bit more of a sense of comfort. You get to sleep in your own bed. A little bit more comfort. A little bit more comfortability. And this TCU team, man, like I said, they are on a hot streak. They're the hottest team in college baseball right now. Uh, I don't want to shoot my wad too early here. I don't want to give you the stat of the day too early. I'm going to hint that it's going to be a gambling stat. I'm going to hint that in a couple weeks, the value is going to go down even more. Okay, so let's give the um, scouting report for Indiana State. So they have the weakest resume according to a couple different sources. I I went to a Sports Illustrated site. I I did my own little research here. I agree. They are the weakest resume of the supporting teams. They have the lowest weighted batting average, 367. Uh, They have had uh, a little bit of trouble scoring runs in the postseason, all things considered. They had a little bit of luck to get to this point. They had 10 hit-by-pitches against uh, Iowa. They also were able to get past a right state because of a late-game push in their first game against Iowa, so they didn't. They had a good situation in their regional. Uh, TCU has scored 12 or more runs in four consecutive games, including that 20 runs scored in Fayetteville in that regional, the penultimate game. Uh, they have the hottest offense in the tournament. So that is what you're thinking of when you come in if you're Indiana State, that this offense is lighting it up. They've been on fire. They're the best team in baseball currently. What does that mean? Here's some players to watch uh, for the Sycamores. Third baseman Mike Sears, he leads the team with 19 home runs. He also has almost 100 strikeouts, which is in the 
top third when it comes to college baseball this season. 100 strikeouts in a 60-game season is rough, rough, rough when you look at the strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, The other thing is that TCU is going to be facing some of the better pitchers that they face. Now, I said they've got the weakest resume. The pitching staff for Iowa might be one of the better ones that TCU faces. Does that mean that they're not going to hit four grand slams? If I was a betting man, I'd say probably not. I don't think TCU is going to have the type of game they had against uh, Arkansas. Connor Fenlong, he's 10-2 and this season, 3-3 ERA. Uh, he pitched four complete shutouts this season, walked 29 batters in 108 innings. Junior Matt Janik, 7-3. He's got a 4-2 ERA, 97 strikeouts, and 96 innings pitched. Uh, and then the leader in the clubhouse for ERA is Lane Miller. He has a 2-7-7 ERA. He's perfect on the season with 7-0 record, three complete games thrown. Let's flip it over. TCU, here's the scouting report. Hottest team in baseball. Got five guys batting over 300. Elijah Nunez at 299 right now as well. The regular starters batted under 300 on the season. They've combined for 20 home runs. That's Austin Davis with seven, uh, Luke Boyers with eight, and Curtis Bryan with 10. The headliners, we talked about them a bunch already. Uh, Brian Taylor, he's now the career leader in home runs at TCU, and then Trey Richardson with his historic 11 RBI game with the two grand slams against Arkansas. Taylor, he's also been able to cap off his TCU career with an All-American bid, while Richardson, he might be the tournament MVP. So, we'll see if that uh, happens. Here's the stat that I cared the most about, and this is the stat of the day. Okay, Stat of the day here on the Hypnotoad podcast. TCU went... Buckle up, because this is crazy. TCU went from a 50-1 to favor to win the College World Series coming into the tournament. After winning the Big 12 which nobody thought was possible, myself included. They went from winning the Big 12, where they had astronomical odds, could have got them for, I think it was like 100 to 1, I believe. Might have been 80 to 1 at one point for TCU to win the College World Series. They were 50 to 1 coming into the regional. They are now 12 to 1 to win the entire thing. They are 12 to 1 to win the College World Series. Now, they're still behind a couple teams. They're still behind Wake Forest and Florida and Stanford, and and LSU, right? So they're still behind a couple teams. But it should be worth noting that this is a good spot for TCU to be in. They are the hottest team in college baseball. They're coming into a Super Regional at home, playing a team that, if they lose to Indiana State at this point, I don't want to jinx it. I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not jinxing it. If they lose to Indiana State, I'd be shocked. I'd be surprised that if they lose to the Sycamores, a team that is not as good as Arkansas, a team that probably not as good as Kansas State, I'll say it, uh, and a team that TCU is more talented than, if they lose to them, I will be shocked. All right, I want to wrap the show up with something that I thought was really cool. Dave Campbell's Football Magazine, uh, they are one of the, if not the best, football magazine in the state of Texas. I think that when... We look at preseason conversations around teams. I think preseason conversations around teams, there are national narratives that kind of get weaving in to the regional narratives. And I mean, what I mean by that is I mean that sometimes AM and Texas uh, dominate the conversation. They are the teams that you and I both know. 
get a little bit more of the press, get a little bit more of the fanfare. We talked about it last week. Uh, Athlon, which I like. I like their magazine. I think they do a pretty good job. Uh, I think they do a really good job when it comes to talking about group of five teams. They had Texas as the number one team in the conference. In in a conference season this year, that is the only year that we're going to have this much diversity of team. You talk about Houston, BYU, they're joining. Texas and Oklahoma are still in. This is the only season that we're going to have all of these teams in the melting pot together. This is also the only season that Texas is projected to lose only one game. You're going to have a lot of teams here that Texas doesn't have any uh, film on, and they're only going to lose one game. It's a head-scratcher to me. The reason I bring all this up is because I think Dave Campbell's does a really good job. Okay. The 64th edition of the magazine has our guy, our head coach, Sonny Dykes, on the cover. It's the first time since 2012, so over a decade, that TCU has been featured on the main cover. It was Dykes' predecessor, of course, Gary Patterson, who was on there. It's a unique bit of family history as well because – he joins his dad, Spike Davis, who is the head coach of Texas Tech. He's on the 1990 cover. So I listened to an interview with Sonny Dykes, uh, Ish Johnson, my guy, Texas State alum with me. Uh, he did the interview. I, I like Ish. I thought it was pretty good. I thought he did a good job. Uh, they talked a little bit about the coaching tree for TCU, right? So Sonny Dykes, a disciple of the Mike Leach coaching tree. You go through the rest of those guys. He's got a couple of cover, cover athletes or cover uh, coaches as well under the Mike Leach tree. There was Cliff Kingsbury, Lincoln Riley, uh, Dana Holgerson, all guys who have been on the cover or like mentioned before, right? Like it makes sense. You understand what I'm saying. Um, it was cool. My point is, is that it's nice to see the TCU is getting some respect because the national narrative around the program is it was a nice one-year run. That it was a nice little run that TCU had last year. That it, they're not going to be able to recreate that type of success again. Even though they're bringing back a majority of the same talent. I don't think that the talent drop-off is that great between the guys that are leaving and the guys that are still here. Uh, I do not think that it is a talent drop-off that a team that went undefeated into the national championship. Or I should say one loss in the national championship. They, they lost the Big 12 championship. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that when you were playing in the national championship. Point is, is that a team that had one loss before a Georgia blowout, it's hard for me to think that that team wins seven games this year. It's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that this is a team that will be playing in the uh, Daisy Duke Bowl, right? Like, I just don't buy that. And that's what the national narrative around TCU is because the conversation is that Texas is going to be great, that Texas Tech is going to have an, uh, an up year for whatever reason, that A&M with Jimbo Fisher are going to dominate the conversation. It's hard for me to buy. I like that Dave Campbell's is giving our guys some respect. I like that the conversation around TCU this year is Sonny Dykes did something really special last year. He got TCU the national championship. I think the conversation is going to pivot now to, can Sonny Dykes win a national championship at TCU? Can he win one in Fort Worth? Can he win one for an area of the country? Like, let's be honest here. The Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Is it the most talented, rich area in the country? I think that it has to be on the conversation, right? You put the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Now, it's a big area. Okay. Huge. 
But you put that up there with anywhere else in the country. You put that up there with Georgia and the entire state of LSU, or the entire state of Louisiana, I should say. Uh, you put that up there with Southern California. There is a lot of talent. Can TCU keep that talent in that area, that regional talent? Can they keep them there? And can that be the thing that wins a national championship in Fort Worth? Personally, I say yes. Uh, the magazine comes out later this month. I'm excited uh, to uh, check it out, or late, I should say later this summer. I'm really excited to check it out. I'm a big fan of uh, Dave Campbell's football magazine, and I'm an even bigger fan of uh, Sunny Dykes. So it's going to be fun, 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 and we'll wrap the podcast up on this. TCU baseball playing in the College World Series. I'll be in Omaha for it. When they're there winning the national championship, I will make sure to uh, get us a podcast for that. Until then, though, this is the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Remember, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get the podcast, and send a screenshot on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, to Pete Mundo, the big boss, Pete Mundo, at heartlandcollegesports.com to win a free Heartland College Sports koozie to keep your drinks cool while you watch TCU baseball this weekend. That's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you next week.